Handle on the News. Handle on the News! Friday the 13th, guess who's playing Jason? Bill Handle. All right, yep, it is Friday. Uh, good for us, right? Okay, Friday the 13th, which means absolutely nothing. Oh, no. no this morning on. has been nuts. Oh, it has. But it's, uh, I know, it, it, that's coincidental. It I'm really blaming is. it on that. Uh, of course you are. Did you break uh, a mirror? This morning, what I do yeah. is I throw a black cat under a mirror, so it, under a ladder, so it hits a mirror, shatters, and the cat dies. Handle. What? That's Friday the 13th for me. I, have, I don't think the cat has to die. I think it's just the cat crosses your path. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. Uh Zero belief in superstition. I mean, zero. Oh, not me. Also, alternative medicine, too. Marjorie's big. Well, she's not superstitious. Well, actually, the 13th uh, is her favorite uh, number. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. Did you know I park in the same spot in our empty parking lot every single morning because I'm convinced it brings me good luck? I have now for two years. Wow. Okay. Tells you a lot about me. Certainly does. Good morning, Jennifer Jones-Lee. I handle. Wayne Resnick. Good morning. And Alex. Morning. Morning. And there's John Ramirez. Uh, the A team is here. The egg team? The A team. Oh, the A team. The A team. I thought you team. said the egg team. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, oh, top, top trending stories. Oh, what a shocker. James Comey book. Uh, James Comey's book uh, has been released. Uh, you know what? If you thought Comey didn't like Trump, uh, just wait. And more news on the Michael Cohen office raid and then Syria. We're going to talk to John Thomas at 9 o'clock about Syria. The president said 24 to 48 hours, I will make a decision, maybe. And then maybe not. And there, there's a lot of issues involved in that. The problem is the president can't say stuff like that. That's the issue here. And uh, so we've got a lot to cover. You ready to do it? Yes, sir. Let's do it, guys. Uh, lead story. How do you like me now? All right. Uh, big legal win against the Trump administration by L.A. City Attorney Mike Fuhr filed a lawsuit uh, last October uh, that fought the Trump administration's decision to predicate the grants that the federal government gives to community policing based on the cooperation that the city, in this case, the city gives to ICE and helps the federal authorities. And the judge said, uh, you can't do that. You can't have uh, local police help immigration. That's a federal issue. And local police are not federal police officers. Needless to say, Chief Beck was pretty happy. To attach uh, the absolute antithesis of community policing as a requirement to them is, is just beyond ironic to me. And, it, and it's very, very sad. And he well, says, this shows that L.A. can't be bullied. Uh, absolutely. Well, Mike, if you're a very liberal guy, uh, no surprise about the lawsuit. Any surprise at Manny Real, uh, a judge who is now 160 years old and is, is probably senile, isn't he? I, you know what? I don't think he is. He's just very old, but he always has been a real shoot-from-the-hip judge who gets overturned a lot, even when he was, you know, 50. Yeah. And 60. Uh, so this the fact that the ruling comes from him, I wouldn't hold out hopes that the that the feds won't win eventually on appeal somehow. 
And uh, without this was a permanent injunction, which, of course, uh, is appealed instantly. When I was first sworn into the bar, November of 1979, uh, the, the only time I ever appeared in federal court was in front of Judge Manny Real, uh, thirty some something years ago, and he was no youngster then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, was he in his nineties? Oh yeah, and he's still on the I don't bench. Know, I don't know if he's hit a hundred yet, but oh, he not only is still on the bench, he won't take senior status. He has full caseload. That guy, and it's a lifetime appointment. So no one can do anything about him other than impeach him. Oh, how how old do you right. think he guys? How old do you think he is? Seriously, uh, you said in the nineties. I I, be- I want to say like ninety three. Oh, very close. He's ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. He just, 94. Must, just had he a birthday. Born in nineteen twenty four. And still full caseload. Yeah. Yeah. And a bastard too. Only on the bench. On the bench, he's known he can be quite a tart, but off the bench, he's a lovely man. He really is. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've obviously dealt with him oh, yeah. many times. Yep. All right. Well, now we are, as you were mentioning, Handel, one of the trending stories this morning is this Comey book that's coming out. And uh, now there was a little part of a dossier about President Trump that uh, Mr. Comey was asked to help um, prove that the allegation was false. My name is James Comey. I'm with the FBI. That whole golden showers showers thing. thing. And uh, it was, and uh, that, I guess that affected Trump more so than anything else. And it's a rumor. Uh, That's what it is. And Comey said, we're not investigating you. We don't care if prostitutes pee on each other. And Trump said he's a germaphobe. And so that's why there could never have been anything right. like this. And that this was it. it. But this was in uh, the biggest suite in the hotel. And Comey pointed out he could have been far enough away where mm. it wouldn't have affected oh. him. That's what Comey said. I know. Mm. And that is, for some reason, uh, the president found... Now, I'm not saying any of that is true. But for some reason, the president took particular offense. And that one he went uh, after with a passion, that rumor saying that Melania, uh, if there's a 1% chance that Melania believed that it could be affected, uh, we have to shut this down. Mm-hmm. How do you prove a negative? Well, Trump said he was never in the, uh, in the suite, he never spent the night in the suite. He only did that to change, he only used it to change clothes, which I don't know if that helps or not. I don't understand. Is, he, is, is the idea here that this is bad that he wanted to be exonerated? From this salacious no, no, he just spent, accusation? No, he just spent a long time dealing with this rumor, this one he was most upset about. Because it's the most, it's the weirdest yeah, and the most and ridiculous. Most but you would think that, in fact, he would promote that rumor coming out just as an indication of how crazy rumors are that surround him. Say, even this one, look at how crazy this is. And I think it would have gone. I think it would have gone sure. the other way. I certainly would have uh, said, "Yeah, yeah, let those rumors fly." Sure, why not? Uh, as you said earlier, uh, what, the official position of the White House is that no final decision on action against Syria has been taken. It's the final but that doesn't that doesn't mean they haven't decided, right? Because Trump's so- big thing is you don't tell them. What you're going to do right. or when you're going to do it. Except he gave the 24 to 48 hours that a decision would be made. 
Now, what he didn't say is a decision would be made as to when we're going to do this. And I got to tell you, this is a lose-lose for the United States and a win-win for Putin and Assad. There is no way that we're going to win on this one uh, because the United States is now truly uh, considering what happens if we make a major attack, go after command and control. And the Russians said, we are prepared to shoot down not only the missiles, but the aircraft that launch the missiles. And uh, Putin is Putin plays chicken better than the United States does. And the argument is, look what happened with an Iraq war. And the president is obviously listening to his advisors right now. Obviously. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Your chance to win $1,000. If you have wisdom teeth problem, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Uh, call 888-640-SMILE. All right, Jennifer. Friday, uh, the 13th. And here's your chance to uh, win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. They notify the winner by calling them. You have to pick up that call. Joyce and Artesia did, and she is $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, back we go. Uh, more handle on the news. Uh, Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Jen? Jen? Sorry, you guys. It's all I right. I just moved my stuff over here. So, <laughs> Defense Secretary Mattis says that the U.S. is still looking for actual evidence of chemical weapons in Syria. But that kind of goes against what Nikki Haley said, right? right? I guess the two of them didn't actually talk to each other. Nikki Haley said, we have plenty of physical evidence. Uh, uh, Mattis said, uh, we have to be absolutely uh, sure. I I, I don't know what it takes to prove. And now that the Russians are in uh, the town of Duma where this took place, there will be no evidence. You're done. Although uh, Macron from France said he has ev- he yeah. has definitive evidence. I don't know why they don't release the definitive evidence. I mean, uh, we have it, we don't have it, uh, and the people that say we have it, well, here it is. Now, there's a team going in this weekend that is supposed to be the same team that's sort of a unilateral team, a, you know, a European Union yeah, conglomeration. All, all the evidence is going to be gone. Well, it's the same group that went in and looked at the Skirpal, the spy case. Yeah. They're the same ones that went in and determined that. So Syria allegedly has invited them in uh, and said, sure, come on in and take a look. Tell me it hasn't been scrubbed down. See, that's the way I feel, yeah, too. And, and England, I mean, they there was no scrubbing down. You can't scrub down on British soil. The Russians can't come in there and go, excuse us. Uh, why don't you leave us alone while we deal with this doorway? Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the missing Valencia family has not been found, but it looks like parts of their vehicle and some of their belongings have been. Now, what does that tell you if parts of the vehicle have been found? Imagine the strength of the water at that point that was able to tear that vehicle apart. Yeah, uh, authorities got reports that they're, uh, that uh, that a Honda pilot had gone into the river up there in Klamath, and uh, they couldn't find the actual car, but they've started to find parts and personal items that positively identify the family. So it's almost certain that's what happened. 
Okay, now we go on to another van with kids and a family. This one, quite different circumstances, though. Going back to the Hart family, the ones who apparently drove their van off, killing their six adopted kids. In the eyes of a woman. Yeah, this story. We're revisiting the story where the investigators are saying it's not just uh, one kid that went next door and asked for food. Uh, there was, uh, There were... Uh, allegations and uh, some real concern among neighbors that there was abuse uh, happening between to those kids. There were four different times where the kids told other adults about trouble at home. Did, you know, doesn't necessarily say which one it was. Were they actually being abused physically? Were they be having food withheld? Were they what was it that they told? And these families are saying, "Hey, we called Child Protective yeah, Services." Do we know what happened with the? Child Protective Service? No, that's the big question. Like, what did they drop the ball? Did they go and check it out? And were the heart moms able to, you know, hide things? We don't know. That's the big question right now. Uh, hey, California Representative Jeff Denham says they have enough votes to force Congress to vote on immigration bills. Uh, but he, he says there's at least 50 Republicans and, of course, virtually every Democrat would support voting, for example, on a bill to fix DACA and so forth. But he he won't commit to using this power yet. He right. I think he he wants Paul Ryan to let the votes right. happen, but he can force it if he needs to. Now, Paul Ryan normally is uh, the person who brings uh, the vote to the floor. Uh, he makes that decision. There can be an end around with enough votes. Uh, but then a couple things happen. It shows that the speaker doesn't have that much power. So politically, it is something the speaker doesn't want to do. Although at this point, does Paul Ryan care Does he anymore? care? And the other side, and this is practical, Paul Ryan's saying, well, I'm not going to bring it because the president's going to veto it anyway. So why spin our wheels? Except uh, the political aspects of this. Who's voting yes and who's voting no? Because uh, the majority of Americans wants, want the dreamers protected. I mean, the dreamers are a whole different animal than the rest of uh, the illegal aliens. And so it's, um, uh, there's a lot to that one. Uh, I, I think we're going to talk more with John Thomas on this when he comes aboard at 9 o'clock. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take another break. We'll come back and do some more of Handle on the News. And uh, you're up, Jennifer. I'm thinking life's too short, it's passing by. So if I'm going to go it all, go big or go. Handle it. Oh, yes. Little froggy handle here on a Friday the 13th, uh, April 13th. All right, uh, a couple of announcements. It's Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets. Uh, they're giving you a chance at Free Movie Tickets. And you can text them now. Text reporter to Adam1 for your chance to win. And it's the Adam Tickets app where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre order concessions, all from your phone. Skip the lines. Standard data and text messages uh, may apply. Also, uh, we have uh, the tweets this morning, great tweets from the president, uh, particularly in reference to James uh, Comey. Okay? Untruthful slime ball. Oh, that's a great start. Uh, who has, as time has proven, a terrible director of the FBI. Handling of the crooked Hillary case. One of the worst botched jobs in history. My great honor to fire him. James Comey is a proven leaker and liar. Hmm. 
good. It's Donald Trump. How's he really feel about it? I know. It's just, uh, yeah, you know, what, can you imagine a president actually doing that? Can you imagine President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton standing up or, or sending out a tweet? Or, well, if he, they were to tweet today, uh, slime, untruthful slime ball. This is what people wanted. They wanted something different. Boy, did they get it. All right, uh, back we go. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And Facebook says it's going to stop spending or spending money to fight that California Consumer Privacy Act. I hate California. Facebook sucks. Yeah, this is good stuff. It was going to be on the ballot, and it is going to be on the ballot. Uh, and Facebook had donated two hundred thousand dollars to a committee opposing uh, that. And it has to do with more transparency and people uh, able to opt out of using their personal information or Facebook using their personal information and Facebook telling them we're using your personal information, we're selling it. So they changed their tune. Weird. And I love what they uh, – you have, of course, uh, California Chamber of Commerce and other groups that are fighting uh, that bill, Google, AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, all – uh, want to fight transparency. They, they like, also, yeah. each of those companies gave $200,000. Right, right. Now, uh, the um, the committee, right, the PAC, is the Committee to Protect California Jobs. Don't you? I love the names. Uh, for example, you know, when it's uh, more taxes or it's fewer taxes, uh, then the other side, it's the Committee to uh, Stop Enacting More Taxes. Right. But wait a minute. The whole point of the proposition is fewer taxes. Oh, uh, well, the liberals want more, so they just turn it around. Everybody just turns it around. So, uh, a rule of thumb. Uh, when you read any description of a proposition, they all have to have names. Yes. Go the other way. Yeah, that's exactly what Scott and I do. Always go the other <laughs> way. Yeah. That's funny you say that. Uh, Coachella getting underway this weekend. There's going to be Beyonce. There's going to be Brockhampton and lots of drones. Yeah, they're going to have a fleet of drones monitoring the perimeter, you know, because they have they have the Las Vegas situation in the back of their minds in terms of security now. And uh, as one... Uh, Indio police sergeant, I think his name is Dan Marshall, said it can take an officer a few minutes to get out to the perimeter at this site, but a drone can get there in 30 to 45 seconds. Right. And later on, I'm going to do a story about Coachella, uh, the festival, and what they have in common with Disney. And we're not talking about a Disney parade going down the middle of the audience where Mickey and Donald are smoking joints (laughs) with everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about. Good tease. Can't wait. When is that, okay. Do you know when that's going to happen? Uh, I'll set an alarm. When, when is that going to happen? I think... Uh, 9.50. 9.50. Oh, yeah. It's, tickler in my calendar yes, right you now. De- you definitely want to listen today. to that one. Yes. This is a crazy story. Oh, I saw this last night. This teenager in Ohio died after getting trapped in the full folding seat of his van after calling 911 and telling the operator, tell my mom I love her. He called several times and said, and if you listen to it, the audio is available. I don't know if we have it. John, do we have the audio? We don't. But if you listen to the audio, uh, it's this kid saying, I'm going to die. Please help. Please come out. I'm going to die. I'm in a van inside the Seven Hills School in Connecticut saying he's in the parking lot. 
he somehow the thing just you know smushed him in Cincinnati. And uh, I'm sorry, and in uh, said that he, the the van the seat you know how no. they'll fold over. I mean, just how smushed him in? How I just just aberrational and just how rare, how random is that? Now, uh, the dis- the first dispatcher, he called twice. Actually, he didn't have access to the phone, so he had Siri. So he yeah, couldn't actually, dialed. he couldn't hear uh, the operator. And she did send out the police who couldn't find right. the van because there were seven parking lots. And as a matter of fact, I think one policeman looked in, uh, looked in the van, but all you could see was the seat down because he was trapped underneath it. And uh, then there's some issue about the second uh, dispatcher not giving some specific information to the police that the dispatcher had gotten. And that dispatcher is now on uh, leave pending an investigation. But to listen to this kid, I mean, a heartbreaker beyond heartbreaker as you listen to him asking for help and dying. So sad. All right. Uh, you want to do one more? Take a break. Let's go ahead and take Let, the break. Let's go ahead and take a break and come back and uh, finish all of this up. Uh, this is KFI on a Friday the 13th, and there's Jennifer Jones. I want to be the slip, slip, word upon your lip, lip, rather that you rip, rip, break me down and build me up, whatever it takes. Because I love the adrenaline in my veins, I do whatever it takes. And welcome back, Handel and uh, the morning crew on a Friday, April 13th. Uh, the Comey memoirs are out. Oh, does James Comey have a thing to say or two about the president? And then we're still waiting word on what's going to happen in Syria. Let's go ahead and finish up handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And uh, you remember that swatting incident that resulted in a man being shot by police in Kansas? Well, the officer who shot and killed that man will not face charges. Which makes sense because when the police arrived at that house, they were under the belief that inside the house, a man that, that the father had been shot to death and that the rest of the family was being held hostage with a gun. So when the guy came out on his porch, not knowing what was going on, the cops thought this is a guy who just killed his own father. And when uh, the young man unfortunately put, he had his hands up. And then he took he him down. He put him down, and, and they say reached for his waist. And when that happened, given what the officers believed... Right. And this is why it's so critical to have body cams, because that would have uh, shown it uh, completely. Well, in this case, the DA said there's right. you know, he, he did not commit any kind of crime. And the family, cop. of course, uh, execution. He was executed uh, the same. They should be mad at the swatter, this right. Tyler Barris. Why is it that the sh- there's no such thing as a live to many people in the community, there is no such thing as a legitimate shooting. By the police. Uh, by the police, if someone had uh, a fifty caliber machine gun and started unloading it on the police, uh, you should have shot him in the knee. Uh, how you know you executed him instead? I mean, you get that not from every member of the community, but enough the vocal ones, uh, the ones that make all the news. Jen, here is a weird one. Sorry, uh, the there was a baby born four years after. Her parents died in a car crash. Now, this is not that weird for those of us uh, who are involved in third-party reproduction. You can keep embryos frozen forever. And there are cases, and uh, urologists that I work with, as a matter of fact, was involved in a young Chinese man in a car accident who had died. And the family had asked the doctor to retrieve sperm. 
from the young man because sperm will actually last up to 24 hours after death. And they actually took, he actually took out his sperm in a procedure to be used later on to create a child. So I, this is the Chinese who do this, very cultural. Okay, but this is the parents of— Right, it happens all the time, grandparents. Really? Yeah, they come in. Well, it's very—it's— Extended families are huge in the way the Chinese view. How uh, easy is it in this country for, say, grandparents or whatever to get custody of embryos that oh, were created after? Oh, it's not a question after... of custody. They own them. The is it part of the estate? Pro- yeah, it... yeah, yeah. Embryos are property. I see. It's pure property. And here is, uh, and when I first started teaching uh, reproductive law, I, I taught for, for five years at Whittier Law School, is uh, I would start with, uh, here's what happens with frozen embryos, because you can keep them forever. And that is uh, you have parents who have embryos, right? And they decide to uh, fresh transfer and something, and, and it takes, and they freeze the rest, right? And so you're talking about a sibling, a live sibling and a frozen sibling. You wait 20 years, and you put the embryo into the other sibling, Oh. Is she mom or oh, is she sister? sister? She is both. That's Whoa. some of the weird stuff. This is the stuff that I had such a great time teaching uh, teaching in school. How's that one that- for a seminar where I would throw that <laughs> supposition out? And so, hmm. and then I would go, I'd throw him a paper and go, discuss. <laughs> uh, hey, finally, we have a super shocking scientific conclusion. Drink too much? You're going to die early. Yeah. Thank you, science. Yeah. Drink a, a glass of wine uh, every night. You're going to live longer. Drink a glass of wine every night. You're going to die. Yeah. In this case, it was published in the medical journal, The Lancet. They followed that's data from 600,000 people, and they followed it. And basically, the people who had higher rates of uh, drinking also had higher rates of stroke, heart disease, deadly high blood pressure. I know. And this one, fatal aortic aneurysms. Ouch. I always wondered Except about for this. the next study. Yeah. Uh, okay, you know those bathroom hand dryers? Put, put down, everybody, please put down your McMuffins oh, for yeah, this, this story. Oh, yeah, this is absolutely disgusting. Those bathroom hand dryers spray feces particles on your hands. Water But I mean, it makes sense. Is yeah, because you're, uh, that's right, maybe you don't wash your hands uh, thoroughly enough, and then you put your hand dryer, uh, you know, the, uh, the bathroom dryer, and... Uh, well, and, and they're sucking in air, yeah, and they're sucking in the air from the bathroom, which yeah. has particles in it. You know, do yourselves a favor. Either use the towels or don't wash your hands. That's probably healthier for you. Or just drip dry. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bernie Madoff. Back in the ba- news. Back in the news, kind of. Uh, victims getting another half a billion dollars in recovery from the Show government. Show me the money. Of course, that huge uh, Ponzi scheme that that guy ran, and there's a big fund. Part of it comes from stuff they seized from Madoff. Some of it comes from this uh, deferred prosecution agreement with J.P. Morgan. In any event, they're still gathering and distributing money. Now, keep in mind, he cleaned everybody out of, what, $64 billion or something. So this is still pennies on the dollar. But at least it's more pennies on the dollar. So there was a billionaire who offered to give $25 million to his high school alma mater. But he wanted a little something in the return that the district said, mm, no. Yeah, which his name, uh, campus named after his brother, his name had to be placed 
all over this school, predominantly or prominently, and I think uh, blinking Leon, uh, neon, uh, and well, not maybe not. Uh, and uh, they just said uh, no. Although I, you know, for twenty-five million dollars to a high school, I would have said yes to all of this. What, what do you think twenty-five million dollars can do you know to help out so the kids? Too. Yeah. He also, though, he wanted input into how the new parts of the campus would be built. I think they were worried that he would just be meddling constantly in the he operation would. of the school. For $25 million, you can meddle all you want in my school. All right, uh, we're going to come back. Super segment, uh, the police, ICE, and the courts, uh, Dreamers, uh, James Comey memoirs. So we have a lot to talk about. KFI AM 640. Friday 13th, Handel and uh, the morning crew. Uh, it's a super segment, which means that about the 20 after, give or take, uh, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you need dental implants, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. All right, uh, more than a few things to cover uh, during this half hour and the rest of the show. Uh, John Thomas coming up with uh, the Kevin McCarthy. Uh, looks like he's going to be the new speaker. Paul Ryan is out. And uh, just a whole lot more. And a, and a Coachella story. Uh, that's kind of fun. I'm a huge fan of uh, Coachella. Uh, having go- No, I am. I, you know, Yeah, I, I mean, I went to Desert Trip, uh, which uh, was uh, commonly known as Old Cella. And I'm about to get sued just for saying that. And that's the story, incidentally, that I want to share with you. Uh, that's uh, coming up at 9.50. It's a fun story. All right, now, uh, a few stories I want to cover. And here is a local spin on a very big national story. And this has to do with the Trump administration making no bones about the fact that all sanctuary cities, county, states are going to be punished in any way the Trump administration can. And so what's happening with California being the first sanctuary state, a lawsuit has been filed by the feds uh, against the entire concept of uh, sanctuary state. And then you have uh, Orange County uh, Supervisor Sean Nelson, for example, uh, on behalf of the Board of Supervisors, joining the lawsuit. Uh, and you're seeing cities joining the lawsuit all over California, which is uh, the only realistic way that uh, local entities can protect or can uh, fight the sanctuary cities issue. All right, so here is uh, a spin on that issue having to do with the feds. And that is federal money is given to local police department in one of the programs of about community policing. And uh, the local police departments apply for grants. And the feds hand out grants. And in this program, community policing is a program where they simply put officers, hire additional officers, move officers over to go to schools, for example, uh, coach softball teams, run after school programs. And for the most part, these programs have been fabulously successful. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. Well, what the Department of Justice did was give points to police departments. 
and those were uh, used to uh, determine how much money or any money is given to local police department for these community grants. And if the local PD did or cooperated with uh, ICE, for example, it got more points. And it was more apt to either get the grant or get more money in the grant. And L.A., LAPD, is uh, fairly religious about applying for that money. And, in fact, uh, in uh, 2016, the uh, LAPD was awarded $3.125 million, has received as much as almost $17 million in previous years, and it's all about the Community Safety Partnership Program, uh, sports teams, mentoring programs. And to give you an idea of the stats... According to the police, that's LAPD, violent crime dropped by more than 50%. Arrests were cut in half during the program's first three years in three Watts housing developments. And those are the projects we're talking about. Police also credit uh, this program for a three-year stretch without one homicide in Jordan Downs. Uh, one of uh, the projects that are the most dangerous, where they used to have homicides all the time. So uh, this seems to work. So to get extra points, therefore to receive either money or more money, police departments had to be willing to alert ICE 48 hours before releasing inmates who agents had targeted for deportation. And were required to give ICE agents access to the jail facilities, basically an office. Or at least a place where they could interview inmates, review records, etc. Well, L.A. refused to abide. LAPD, LAPD said no. And were not awarded any funds. While 80% of the departments around California did receive money if they cooperated with ICE. So therein, a lawsuit was filed. Mike Fuhr, and he's a city attorney, and he argued, you can't do that. First of all, it's a separation issue. Local PD cannot be forced to work with ICE. ICE is federal policing. LAPD is local policing, and never the twain shall meet. By law. And, of course, the Justice Department fought it like crazy, and Judge Manny Rael, U.S. District Judge, and we just talked about him because Wayne knows a whole lot about this judge, having worked with him forever. Manny Rael is 94 years old and still works a full caseload. Won't even take senior status, which is kind of fascinating. And I had said uh, during the news that uh, the only time I ever appeared in federal court I appeared in front of uh, Judge Rael, who threw me out of the courtroom, I might add. Just tossed me out. And he was no, and this was 30-something years ago, and he was no youngster then. He was in his mid-60s at that time. So anyway, what he did, it issued a permanent nationwide ban against the Justice Department giving these points. Giving uh, an edge to uh, police departments that obliged with the ICE cooperation. And uh, the judge said, no. You just can't do that. 
you can't discriminate against police departments that don't cooperate. It's against uh, federal law. Well, uh, of course, the uh, Justice Department is immediately going to uh, appeal that. And uh, just for your information, Judge Real is one of the most overturned judges in the entire system. Although you never know which way he's going to go. Liberal, conservative, I mean, he is all over the place. So Mike Fuhrer, plus the Mayor Garcetti, plus the police chief Charlie Beck, are thrilled to death that this happened. And we'll see. We will absolutely see what's going on. All right, switching gears uh, a little bit. James Comey. His memoirs are out. And if you thought James Comey did not like the president, man, he doesn't like the president on a whole different level. Matter of fact, he hates the president. Uh, Effectively calling him a liar, disingenuous, no connection to the truth. I mean, he does it in uh, more artful language, but that's the bottom line. So uh, one of the big parts of it, and this is covered by the Washington Post, and uh, the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, and Jeff Bezos is not a big fan of the president, is probably the most anti Trump newspaper in the country. Eh, New York Times, pretty close. But Trump hates the Washington Post. The Washington Post, along with uh, the major news networks, except for Fox, are failed news outlets. And it's all fake news. So clearly, and the president went nuts on this, incidentally, as you can imagine. So the memoir comes out, and one of the big issues, this one is covered by the Washington Post, that the president fixated on proving that that dossier, which alleged, well, let's just say questionable sexual interludes by the president, particularly in a hotel room in Moscow with a bunch of hookers, the president was particularly upset about. And I questioned that this morning, and then the big issue in their... I was watching the news last night, and I don't know why the news people went berserk. Maybe because it's the only time that they can use the phrase, quote, golden showers in reference not only to a news item, but in reference to the president of the United States engaged in that sort of behavior. And I went the other way. I said, uh, here's what I thought. According to Comey, the president just fixated on this and insisted that Comey is FBI Director quashed those rumors, proved none of them were true. And as uh, Trump said, uh, I want you to prove that I did not have hookers peeing on each other uh, in a hotel room in Moscow. And Comey, according to his memoirs, said, Mr. President, you're not under investigation at all. I mean, that dossier has nothing to do with you. And we're not investigating any part of you. But Trump kept on going. And uh, he was particularly concerned about Melania. uh, Maybe believing the tiniest little part of that. Well, considering the reputation that Donald Trump has. And by the way, I am not in the least saying any of that was true. I'm not even going there. But if you heard the story about Barack Obama doing that versus Donald Trump 
doing that, engaging with hookers. Uh, you know, I mean, which one is going to have more credibility to you? Because uh, President Trump, known womanizer, uh, you know, that Hollywood access tape, which is insane. So uh, in 2017, Comey describes a conversation he had at Trump Tower. This is January, and it's uh, just before, I believe, before the inauguration. He talked about that conversation as a teeter toward disaster. And that's when he, quote, pulled the tool from his bag. We're not investigating you. And that seemed to quiet him. But then Trump went on. And he talked about that dossier four times. And he kept on saying over and over and over. As a matter of fact, he kept on defending how he could not have done it. He goes, I'm a germaphobe. There's no way I would let people pee on each other, uh, each, each other around me. No way. But he asked Comey, how do I lift the cloud? Because this was so painful to Melania Trump. And in his memoir, Comey paints just this devastating portrait of a president who built, and I'm going to quote, a cocoon of alternate, uh, alternative reality that he was busily wrapping up around all of us. He is a congenital liar, an unethical leader, devoid of human emotion, driven by personal ego. And then Comey writes in this, I mean, he just goes on and on, interacting with President Trump writes, uh, this all gave him flashbacks to my earlier career as a prosecutor against the mob, the silent circle of assent, the boss in complete control, the loyalty oaths, the us versus them worldview, the lying about all things, large and small, in service to some code of loyalty that put the organization above morality, above the truth. And the result is the forest fire that is the Trump presidency. What is happening now is not normal. This is not fake news. It is not okay. It's surviving a bully. And then the issue, and we've talked about this before, where uh, the president, uh, in a meeting with the Oval Office, uh, the attorney general's in the room, clears the room except for Comey, and talks about Michael Flynn. I hope in Michael Flynn, of course, having been convicted, I hope you can see your way clear to letting uh, this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Now, how close is that to ordering uh, the investigation be halted? Well, he's not there. I don't think this is obstruction of justice, even if, and by the way, the president denies this conversation took place at all. But even if he admitted this, the argument, and I think if I were defending the president, I think there's a legitimate defense. Hey, I wasn't ordering anybody. I was uttering a hope. Nothing more, nothing less. That does not cross the bar into obstruction of justice at all. And then Comey really nails the GOP congressional leaders. Comey is a lifelong Republican until recently. And he talks about the leadership and almost blames them more than he does the president. Because he sort of takes the president. The guy's a liar. We all know he is. We know about his alternative reality. Everybody knows that. We all know who he is. But he talked to the GOP's congressional leaders and saying, it is also wrong to stand idly by or worse 
to stay silent when you know better. While a president brazenly seeks to undermine public confidence in law enforcement institutions that were established to keep our leaders in check. Which is absolutely true. Congressional leaders, and it doesn't matter what the president is going to do, congressional leaders will stay mum. They will not attack the president at all. Now, there are a few. Jeff Flake, uh, Lindsey Graham, but they're out. John McCain, they're out. They're not running. So they can say whatever they want to say. Paul Ryan can say whatever he wants to say since he's leaving, except he's maybe uh, running for the presidency and he needs the he needs Republican Congress and Republican leadership behind him. All right. Uh, let's uh, well, here's your chance to win some money. You're shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. If you win, you're going to be notified with a phone call. You need to answer that call. Suzanne in Lancaster answered the call and won $1,000. There's a chance to win every Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right. uh, Here is uh, another story I want to share with you. Super segment right to the bottom of the hour. Uh, And then another Donald Trump story and trade, uh, which is coming up. All right. This has to do with a California Republican, Jeff Denham. He's a uh, Republican congressman who says he has the support needed to force a vote in the House on four immigration bills to protect the dreamers. Now, the whole dreamer issue, I find fascinating because uh, when this last omnibus bill was passed, $1.3 trillion, the president hated the bill. But both the Republicans and the Democrats compromised. The Republicans and the president compromised on the wall. Okay, we won't build the wall. And the Democrats, where the Dreamers issue is huge, compromised on that and said, okay, we won't deal with the Dreamers uh, as a part of this bill. So everybody compromised and no one's happy. And when no one's happy, that's generally the best you're going to do in any kind of a congressional or a legislative bill. That the president signs. So he said, we have enough here. One thing about the dreamers, this is one where most Americans are on the same page. We believe that the dreamers should be able to stay in America and a path to citizenship. These are people that came over as kids. In many cases, didn't even know they were illegal. Parents never told them that found out when they were 16 and needed a birth certificate to get a driver's license. Wow. How, how is that for a surprise? And they're illegal aliens who can be deported any time. So under the Dreamers Act, uh, DACA, uh, which was passed uh, under President Obama's uh, tenure, these people, even though they stayed illegal, were protected from deportation. And this is uh, renewed every two years. Well, President Trump, and I don't understand, while saying he wants to protect the dreamers, he has said that over and over again, and he has said it's the Democrats that are leaving the dreamers out on the edge. Not me. I want to protect them. The Democrats are at fault. Well, he stopped the DACA Act. Stopped it. No longer, well, that's not true. Wants to stop it. Because a judge stopped the stopping of the Dreamers Act. So it's still in effect right now. But 
Uh, these kids, these dreamers, who are now adults for the most part, I mean, they wake up every morning and they don't know if they're going to be deported. Because frankly, this president is all over the place. I mean, he bounces on either side of an issue. Which, incidentally, at 7.30, I'm going to share that with you on TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He's bounced on that one now. And he may be in for a rude surprise uh, as I explain that to you. So what uh, Denham is saying is I have, I have enough votes. I can force a vote to the floor. And this is very unusual because it's the speaker, Paul Ryan, who decides whether a vote is going to go to the floor or not. And usually done, first of all, by committee that moves it to the floor. And Paul Ryan makes the decision. You can bypass that. Very unusual move, and it does a few things. First of all, it puts the speaker in a position of weakness. Uh, second of all, Paul Ryan is uh, not even, he's, he's fighting this, and why? It's very practical. He said, here's the bottom line, the president's going to veto it. We all know the president's going to veto it, so why bother? So are the dreamers going to stay? In the United States, I think so. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the president ordering the deportation of dreamers. Matter of fact, at this point, except very rarely, is anybody who is not a criminal, uh, who, and, but you know, that, that definition of a criminal, for example, a couple of misdemeanors, and that's enough to bounce you out of here. And we have those horror stories, uh, particularly of that father who had dropped his daughter off at school and was picked up with uh, his other daughter three blocks away from school. Those are very aberrational. You know, the Democrats use that to uh, signal that, look how horrible uh, this administration is. That happens so rarely. So the dreamers genuinely do wake up every morning and are sweating bullets as to whether they're up for deportation because the president's gone both sides on that. As of right now, the dreamers are going to be the last people deported. There's, what, 700,000 of them, although the president has gone. When he was pro-dreamer during his pro-dreamer time until he becomes unpro-dreamer, he undreams, uh, he expanded the number of people that would be protected to, I think, 1.4 million? Doubled it? The dreamers going to be the last ones to be deported. There are 11 million illegal aliens. There are 700,000 dreamers. No deportation. No deportation for you. I think. All right. Uh, I want to come back and talk about the president and how he has bounced again. And this one has to do with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And he may be in for kind of a rude surprise here. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here. And a uh, good morning. It's Friday the 13th. Some of the big stories uh, that we're covering that are trending like crazy. Uh, Syria, are we going to, and if we're going to, attack Syria? And we'll do more about that with John Thomas, 9 o'clock, the political part of that. The Michael Cohen office raid, that continues on, and the Comey memoir is out. Uh, I I think it's fair to say that uh, Donald Trump is not one of James uh, Comey's favorite people. Oh, yeah. All right, now. Uh, When the president became president, his first day in office, he pulled us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. 
Now, with NAFTA, that's a little bit more difficult, North American Free Trade Agreement, uh, because uh, these were treaties that were signed, and that became problematic. With uh, TPP, which comprises 11 countries around the Pacific Rim, uh, that he just had the ability to say, okay, we're done. Well, the reality here is uh, the president is making moves in terms of trade uh, that are fairly simplistic. I mean, in the end, uh, I applaud the fact that he is bringing China to the table and saying, enough of that, I want a playing field. However, doing it in a way where he's talking about tariffs, China's going to come back and retaliate. And then there was a big deal about lowering tariffs, China. Well, uh, that was for cars. That was for Buicks. And we just don't sell that many of them. I'll tell you what we do sell, a ton of soybeans. That's the biggest, uh, we're the biggest exporter to China in soybeans. Uh, Farmers all over the place. That is going to affect us rather deeply because the Chinese are going to put insane tariffs on those products. Now, tariffs are not kicked in yet. We're only talking the uh, talk at this point. But there is, you know, there are consequences to all of this. And one of the things uh, that our president does is he doesn't deal well with consequences. He's a very uh, shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy. Case in point, and this is just fun. Uh, this uh, <laughs> tweets this morning, and this is in reference to James Comey's book. Untruthful slimeball who, as time had proven, a terrible director of the FBI. It was my great honor to fire James Comey. James Comey is a proven leaker and liar. And virtually everyone in Washington thought he should be fired for the terrible job he did until, in fact, he was fired. He should be prosecuted. And then tremendous pressure, like never before, for the border wall. I don't see it, but so much. And then uh, TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, would only join TPP if the deal were substantially better than the deal offered to President Obama. Well, here's the latest. Based on the fact that there are some real consequences here, the president is now talking about getting back into TPP. Maybe I was a little bit quick in saying we're getting out. Uh, It's not that bad. Well, uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand are saying, you know what? Hang on a minute. You know, you left. We don't know if we want you back. Uh, And to come back, uh, there would be some rather intense negotiations. And if we are allowed back, uh, the current members, and this is according to the New York Times, which is fake news, of course, a story that they did, uh, to uh, come back, Uh, these 10 members would expect significant concessions from the American side. They're saying, okay, we'll let you in, but you have to give us more. Where the president's position is, we're getting out of TPP right now. We'll certainly talk about going back, not into TPP as a a trade agreement, but with individual countries. And And we need a much better deal. Well, what he didn't anticipate is uh, they're all saying no. Uh, 
for example, uh, Japan's chief cabinet secretary, who's involved in um, this uh, trade agreement, uh, called it a glasswork. It's difficult to bring back part of the pact and renegotiate it. It was a well-balanced pact. Australia's trade minister said, we have a deal already. I can't see all of that being three, uh, thrown open to appease the United States. So, I and this is his first day in office that he pulls us out of TPP. So, instead of sitting down with uh, his trade advisors, because this is complicated stuff. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that are traded. As a matter of fact, a lot of these current members feel they've already given considerable ground in the United States, uh, particularly in areas like protections for pharmaceutical companies. So you have to protect uh, U.S. pharmaceutical companies because you're not protected enough. We love those. Now, the Trump administration worries that this partnership uh, will become a zero-tariff backdoor for Chinese goods in the American market. But as I said, this is so complicated This is negotiations on a very delicate, prolonged time period. And the president pulls us out of TPP day one of his administration. Much like uh, President Obama, day one signs a bill pulling us out of Gitmo. How'd that work out? But at least Gitmo doesn't have... Uh, the global influence that the TPP and NAFTA have. I mean, that affects everybody in the world. Gitmo really affects, what, now half a dozen people? How much are we spending, incidentally, to keep Gitmo open for six people or 12 people or whatever the hell it is? It's like Spandau Prison in World War II. Rudolf Hess, the Nazi... Right, flew over, and uh, the Russians threw him in this prison. They kept this prison around for one guy for 40 years at enormous cost. Gitmo, seven people, what, hundreds of millions of dollars? You can't do stuff day one without getting nailed. You just can't. So are we coming back? Uh, We'll start negotiating, but we're going to be worse off than we were before. Because we really have to think this through. Although, I tell you on a, I have to give the president some credit here. Not for the trade business. But for him realizing that you just don't go into Syria without really thinking it through. Because there are geopolitical considerations. Russia. How extensive do we bomb Syria? Does Russia get involved? Is there going to be some kind of a real military confrontation? I mean, you got to think all of this, all of this stuff through, to say the least. All right, emergency room bills. Remember, we have the best medical in the world here. Unless you have to go to an emergency room. Then we have the best medical and you're broke. I'll I'll explain that one to you. KFI AM 640. Why do I always feel... And uh, the big stories we're covering, uh, the Comey memoir, uh, is uh, being published, coming out. Uh, James Comey does not like Donald Trump very much. What a surprise there. 
uh, and uh, Syria. president has to decide uh, if and when. And now we're being told he's on the verge, but maybe not. Maybe it's going to be sh- uh, very shortly. Maybe not. So the president's going back to, I'm not going to tell you when, where, if at all. All right. Now, this is something that we have talked about so many times. And that is uh, the argument I have with people about medical care here in the United States and how expensive it is and how, uh, in many cases, it makes no sense. And you, and I'm talking about all of you, but I have heard from many of you, it's all justified because we have uh, the best medical care in the world. Unless you can't pay for it. Then you've got a problem. And uh, there's a story from uh, Vox.com. Uh, about uh, this man, uh, Bradley Scroka, it takes his one-year-old daughter to the local emergency room uh, because she had somehow taken a piece of her hair and uh, tied it around her toe, and now it's purple and it's uh, swollen, and they can't undo it because it's cut into her toe and it spurts blood. And so they call their pediatrician, office closed, and so they end up going to the ER. It's the only place they can go, where they are seen by a physician assistant. Not even a physician. Inspected the toe. Okay, you'll be fine. Undid the uh, uh, the hair and gave her an antibacterial ointment. And uh, they got a bill for almost $1,000 about a month later for a 29-minute visit, uh, uh, visit. And they had to pay for it because it was within their deductible. And uh, this is not unusual. This is not aberrational. If you've ever gone to an emergency room and you have a high deductible, in many cases in the thousands of dollars, you're writing a check. Uh, And this is a study that was done. Uh, This is a building database from Vox. A two-year-old boy received IV hydration, three over-the-counter medications at an ER, $2,400 bill. Nine-year-old. $3,100 bill from a South Carolina hospital uh, used x-rays and a urine analysis to determine this kid is constipated. So what is going on? And incidentally, these are not aberrational stories in the least. You ever gone to an ER? It's it's crazy making the cost because it's all over the place. You know where it all is? Is what they call the facility fee. Walking into the ER could cost you $1,000. Literally opening the door and walking in. Now, the people that defend the ERs uh, will tell you, and this is true, insanely expensive. The equipment, 24 hours a day, have to be staffed, and usually by trauma specialists. So uh, I can see that's expensive. There's a couple of answers here, though. And uh, one of them is you have these neighborhood clinics staffed not by doctors but by nurses uh, and or physician assistants, which cost 50 60% of a doctor uh, you don't need, it's, it's basically a small couple of rooms with basic equipment. You could do that. And by the way, for those of you that say, well, uh, you know, overseas, hey, overseas, they have ERs. By the way, don't think, well, they wait forever and they have horrible medical care. No, they don't. They have medical care the way we have medical care. And they have as many ERs as we do. And they're able to do it for 10% of the cost. Our system is so broken that it's beyond comprehension. And the answer always is we have the best medical care in the world. Unless you happen to go to an ER, go to a doctor's office, you're charged $800. 
uh, unless you don't have insurance and it's not so good. You know, we can't, it can be fixed, but we don't have the wherewithal to do it. And I don't know why that is. Pharma, we pay 10 times as much for, for, for uh, drugs because the pharmaceutical companies have done such a great job of telling you, look at these great drugs that we have. And we wouldn't do the R&D if we didn't charge you $2,000 for a month, $100 a pill. You and I both have had to go to the ER within the last couple of months. You've had to go a few times. Have you looked at the bill? Have you ever gotten the itemized list of your bill and just looked at it? No, no, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't want a heart attack on top of whatever I'm going in with. No, well, I have I happen to have Kaiser. Right. So my copay, well, now actually Kaiser charges me $100 for a, an ER visit. That's what I think. My but they used to charge nothing. Yeah, I think my last one was like $120 or something like that for my ER visit. But the bill... I was in there about three hours, I guess, and I did have to have an EKG, and they did do a blood test, but I think it was $25,000 if I hadn't had to pay my 100 you know, or if I didn't have way, insurance. An EKG machine uh, probably costs a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, and they wheel it over. And, and, yeah. and the person that does it is an EKG uh, technician, and that's six months in school. Right, and I think you can do it with a high school diploma. And by the way, I'm not denigrating uh, these are technical jobs. I mean, this is a technical job. But I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't pay $300,000 a year. The only thing was I really liked my EKG technician because after he did the test and after they realized I was fine, he wheels himself back over and he goes, I just want you to know I'm a huge fan of KFI. Oh, I get that all the time. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? How about same thing with an ultrasound? You know, I have... Um, they always deal because I had the heart surgery. The valve replaced a bunch of years ago. They're always checking to uh, whenever I go in, they uh, do the ultrasound. And, uh, I mean, there it is. Although last time, the uh, EKG rep with or the technician, uh, instead of right around my heart, slipped it down near my stomach and said, you're not pregnant. <laughs> I bet you were relieved. <laughs> I was very relieved. But it's true. I mean, it is crazy. The costs are ridiculous. It's, it's just insane. I mean, across the board. And it makes no sense. And the other thing is they did this study, and this is a database. This is a company that keeps databases on this. Uh, it literally went all the way from a couple of hundred dollars for an ER visit, which is not unreasonable, all the way up to four or $5,000 for that same ER visit uh, with an ER on the other side of town. Wow. That's crazy. It is crazy. It makes no sense. So uh, yeah, whatever you do, don't go to the ER. Just die. It's a lot cheaper. You know, just yeah, just roll over and say, I'm done. At least you'll save your family some money. Coming up, Talking Tech with Leo Laporte, and it's all about Facebook. KFI AM 640. All right, KFI handle here, and it's time for a Leo Laporte segment. And uh, Leo, of course, the big news is uh, internet privacy, and we've talked about this before, but it's reached a new level where, uh, and we've talked about there's no privacy out there, but there is really no privacy out there. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where I think geeks, people you know, in my business pay attention to this, and we're aware of it, but I think that there's kind of just the general feeling when you use Facebook or you use Google, 
or you know you surf the web at home when your internet service providers you know kind of your conduit to the outside world that somehow your stuff is just your stuff and nobody's paying attention to it it turns out and i think everybody needs to know this we're starting to everybody's starting to learn it it's really valuable stuff whatever you do online to two different groups it's valuable to marketers to advertisers who want to know what you're interested in so they can give you appropriate ads and that's you know i don't have as much problem with that i think that's great uh, but it's also valuable uh, to governments, not just ours, but other governments, and people who want to influence you, people who want to follow you and trace you. And that's a little more concerning. And the truth is, this is this is changing rapidly. You know, the, the, during the budget uh, kerfuffle a few weeks ago, remember they overnight passed oh, a 2,200-page sure. bill. Right. And Trump said, I don't want to sign this, but I'm going to anyway. Well, one of the things they do, as you know, with these bills is they stick writers in and nobody really pays attention or reads it. One of the writers stuck in was something called the Cloud Act that is, I think, something people need to be, need to be aware about. It, it, it's the law of the land now, and it allows law enforcement to get information from any online service, any Internet service provider, without a warrant, without them telling you. And I think even more importantly, it allows foreign governments, with the approval of the president, to do the same thing about their citizens in the U.S., which means Russia or China or Turkey could say, hey, there's a guy, Turkey does will do this for sure, there's a guy in uh, upper New York State we don't like, I want to know everything he has done online, these companies, Facebook, Google, everybody else will send it to them. And if you and phone calls and text, and if you are as a U.S. citizen in that conversation, they'll send that too. All right. So, and do they do this just by uh, requesting, asking, yep. paying? Just, because uh, because Turkey mm -hmm. has the ability to shut down Facebook in Turkey. Yeah. So so uh, this is you know the, the, what's weird is Facebook and Google and Microsoft all wanted this to happen because they don't want any responsibility for this. They just want it. So hey, we can't do anything about it. It's the law of the land. Stored data for U.S. citizens has to be given to law enforcement upon request. There doesn't need to be a warrant, but the problem with international uh, requests is they just have to do whatever the international law is. They don't need a U.S. warrant. <clears throat> and it's not, a, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is pay attention to what you're putting online. We know Facebook, for instance, Facebook, you know, it's all BS. Of course it is. What, what Facebook does is they break the, in fact, it's even their motto move fast and break things they they break the law they break privacy all the time and apologize later for instance we just found out that if anytime you use facebook to record a video it saves it even if you delete it immediately it's been saving it facebook's response oh yeah oh that's a bug we'll, well, we'll fix that well how about texts same thing in fact they scan oh this is a good one facebook they say to make sure you're not breaking the rules is scanning all your facebook messages now, that's only as to Facebook. I mean, you have to be logging on to Facebook. Within Facebook Messenger. But a lot of people use Facebook Messenger yeah. because everybody has it, right? If, yeah, well, I, you know, the problem with messages of, of all kinds is whoever you're messaging has to have the same system on the other end. Other than just yeah. phone systems. Otherwise, Yeah, if you, everybody's using the phone system. But, you know, you want maybe stickers, animated GIFs. You want emoticons or emoji, and, and so people want these richer experiences. Facebook Messenger is very popular. Oh, interesting. Hey, and real quickly. And now we quickly. know that Facebook's scanning it. Right, that's yeah. lovely. So uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, social media, media in general. No, uh, I dumped Facebook, actually. Yeah. I just got And, and a lot it. of people obviously are, but you even you had said that's very uh, short term. 
But yeah. so let me get personal. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put myself in there, okay? Uh, here's what I do. I use Safari uh, <laughs> to get into the Internet, which I assume is okay. simply the same. It's the same issue. They keep everything. And uh, the I, and, and it's all over the place. It's so eclectic. Uh, every time I see something on TV, I don't know who the actor is, we look at it. I do the same thing. Yep. All right. Just hey, who's that actor, et cetera. Yep. So I look at biographies. Yep. I look at, let's say, cruises I want to go to. Sure. I look at scenarios. And... Uh, of course, uh, which is the law, I have to look at, por- I look at porn. Uh, it's required. It's, it's your right. job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's right. It's my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting all of that together, I don't get pop-up ads particularly. Uh, no, in fact, Safari is very good about blocking those. Pop-up ads are gone. Don't worry about pop-up ads. That's the least of it, Bill. Oh, it's just sharing data. <laughs> yeah, first of all, your Internet service provider sees everything you're doing. They are selling your data to third parties without consent, without notification. Yeah. And what Everybody those, does that. And what do third parties do with that information? Mostly it's advertising. So now okay. you won't get pop-ups anymore because it will, everybody has a pop-up blocker. But everything you do on the web, I don't know if you notice this. It's, fu- you know, it's kind of funny. Don't tell anybody. But people don't, you don't see these ads on, on web, web pages, do you? You kind of tune them out. They're, they're, unless they jump out at you, they're just side. But look, start looking at the the ads you're getting on the web, the ads you're getting in your messengers, the ads, the ads you're getting. They'll be tailored to what your interests are. Now, see, I don't mind that. I prefer ads that are tailored to what I'm interested in. But that creeps some people out. Yeah, marital aids. And then there's marital aids. Right, that's the first thing you're going to start seeing. Yeah. Uh, Viagra ads. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I get ads, 61-year-old people in Petaluma want to meet young ladies oh, for fun. I, I, you know what? I've seen those, too. Yeah. 61-year-old P- 61 people in Petaluma. <laughs> yeah, and isn't I that weird? You're yeah. getting my ads, Bill. <laughs> Knock right. it off. All right, Leo. We'll talk again <laughs> next week. Take care. KFI. All right, there's Jennifer Jones Lee. And this is uh, KFI Handle here. All right. Uh, big stories that we're covering, of course, uh, the Comey memoir, uh, which uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on, especially during Handle on the News Late Edition. And uh, Syria. What's going to happen with Syria? Well, uh president is mulling it over. And uh, is there going to be attack? Probably. When? Yeah, who knows? All right. I, I have mentioned this. Oh, yeah. Here's your chance to win some money. I forgot for a minute. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call, which you must answer. Like Denman in La Habra did, he won $1,000. Next chance to win, next hour. All right. Now, uh, some simplest, uh, simple statements that I want to give you, because always, as soon as we dive uh, a little bit deeper, uh, there are so many levels of this. Here's a statement. The United States has the best educational system on the planet. Absolutely true. For higher education. For schools like Stanford and Harvard and uh, University of Chicago. Yep, that's true. Uh, but here's the other side, both good and bad. And I'm going to say bad. Everybody in this country is entitled to a college education. Everybody. It's been said over and over again by presidents as well as other people. Uh, yeah, it's kind of neat, but how about people that uh, have no business being in college? I think there are a few of them. So you go to other countries, far fewer colleges 
but far fewer people are allowed into colleges. And by the way, those are free for the most part at universities because it's only the top 5 or 10%, which is totally different than the way we do it. The way we do it costs a fortune, and we get people that today are graduating with no jobs. You know how many people graduate law school, take the bar, and there, there are no jobs. Now, you come out of Harvard, you got a job. You come out of Whittier Law School like I did, uh, you don't have a law school to go back to and visit because it's defunct. They're shutting it down. The other part of this equation is there's no vocational training anymore. When we talk about getting out of the college, there are no marketable skills. You have nothing. A degree in political science like I had, nothing. It is worth zero. Coming out of a trade school, let's say you uh, have uh, a heating and air conditioning repair and you've gotten a certificate, that's something. That's a marketable skill. Now, when I went to high school, and a lot of people don't even remember this, we used to have shop. Wood shop, where there was no such thing as a wood shop teacher that had 10 fingers. Didn't exist. Metal shop, car shop. I mean, I remember those classes. You walked out of high school with a marketable career. But you know, you ended up working in a car repair facility, in a garage. Or you ended up working in some wood shop. And oh boy, that's horrible because you didn't go to college. I had to go to college. I mean, there was no chance I didn't go to college. That's a cultural thing. Where I knew I was going to college, like I wake up in the morning and I know my feet are going to hit the ground instead of the ceiling because there's gravity in our lives. That's no longer the case. Am I going to insist my kids go to college? That's eh, cultural. What are they going to do with their degrees? Nothing. My daughter's going to game for the rest of her life. She's going to be in front of her screens gaming. She's got back from Boston where there was a gaming convention. But she's getting her degree. My other daughter, I'm giving her a pass. And well, at least at this point, I'm giving her a pass. And so what do you do? Well, uh, what do you do is you have to develop marketable skills. And so what you do is, well, there's two issues going on. One is kids graduate uh, high school and college and think they actually have some skills. Think they're going to get jobs. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a job. And it turns out it's worse than they imagine. I mean, it's crazy making. And it costs us a fortune. What do you think community college costs us? Community college should only be a vocational training. That's all it's to be. To develop uh, blue-collar skills. Oh, incidentally, uh, I can hire a lawyer all day long, a new lawyer out of law school, for $50,000 a year. You get a job with a... Let's say a company does air conditioning repair or some really good skills, airplane mechanics. You're going to make more than that day one. And you're talking about a high school education and maybe a couple of years training versus college education, three years of law school at a school that's no longer in business, of course, a defunct law school. That's very important. You go to one of those. And you, too, have a chance of getting no job. 
my kids want to go to auto shop and learn how to be mechanics. Although today you're no longer, you're really not a mechanic. What you are is a computer operator. That's what you are. So I, I think we have to just change our system. And uh, this was uh, out of NBC News. This is a story having to do with just a uh, survey of how students think that they're actually more prepared than they are. They actually think there are jobs out there waiting for them. And they're out of their minds. So get yourself a no degree with a certificate and some kind of good vocational training. That's where your kids should go. Coming up, a super segment, Handle on the News, late edition, right here. And Jennifer Jones-Lee, right there. Handle on the News, late edition. Handle on the News. All right. Uh, It's Friday, April 13th. Uh, Yes, Friday the 13th. Sure, why not? All right, big stories that we're covering. Handle here. Uh, Excerpts from James Comey book. James Comey loves the president, clearly. Uh, We're waiting for Syria. What is going on with the president? And uh, now it is time for Handle on the News, uh, late edition, uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee, the Unabomber, and me. And What? uh, Well, you'll see. Go to uh, the official Bill Handle show, right, Uh, at Facebook Live or the Facebook Live uh, uh, post. We're streaming wow. the segment live. That's what on I Facebook. meant. Yes. That's what we're doing. Yes. It's very strange. I'll just give you that much. I don't. I I'm only seeing it from behind. Well, you can't see which much. Which now more I than need that. to to go and see it myself because I got to right. figure out what's going on. That's right. So Jennifer Jones Lee, Unabomber, and me. Uh, lead story. It certainly didn't take uh, the president to slam James Comey after James Comey book uh, came out. Uh, and uh, the way James Comey, uh, the way he defines the president as uh, untruthful and uh, is a forest fire that is the Trump presidency, the president comes back with, uh, he's weak and untruthful slime ball, a proven leaker and a liar. It's just, uh, how do you not love this guy? Very presidential. Remember when he said he was going to be presidential? Oh, when he would say, act presidential. Remember that during the campaign? We had that cut over and over and over again. Well, maybe that's his definition of presidential. You have to admit that this is more entertaining. I mean, Obama was boring as hell relative to this. Obama would be uh, be up there and he would be presidential and it would be, you know, very erudite, very measured. Uh, That's one thing that this president is not. I love this. There it is. Well, now Russia is saying, okay, you want to play U.S.? Let's play. Russia's lower house is now considering drafting legislation that would give the Kremlin power to ban or at least restrict a whole list of U.S. imports. Um, Russia. Yep, food, alcohol, medicine, consulting services. But here's the difference between what Russia would do to us and what we are doing to Russia. Our... uh, the sanctions we have against Russia are to individuals, right? These oligarchs. Right. They're talking about attacking entire sectors, which is really difficult. I mean, it's much more powerful. And so we're not, and maybe it's a question of weakness, where we go after uh, half a dozen guys and freeze their assets, but these are individuals. 
and uh, they're slamming uh, these industries. So Putin is just stronger than we are, than our president. As big a game as uh, President Trump plays with being this very strong individual, he's out of his league when it comes to Vladimir Putin. Well, and these these are sort of symbolic. It's not that they're actually going to happen. No, not but yet. But these are just co- sort of sent to, or sort of to send a message, I right. guess. Like, we're this do could it, happen. Right. We could play ball Although with you. I have, That's similar to what President Trump did. Where he announces certain things and then he says, oh, we can take another look at it as an opening ploy to get to the negotiating table. So maybe maybe it's actually Putin is starting to copy Trump's tactics. Could be. Now, have we taken those oligarchs and actually frozen those assets yet? And I don't know the answer to that. And have we uh, denied their ability to come to the United States? Yeah. That's already been done. They don't keep... They don't keep that much of their assets in this country, the oligarchs. But we're making it hard for them to make more money. Hey, Although, own it. What? Go ahead. I was just going to say it's a very safe As of here. April 6th, yes. The Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control said it has frozen the asset of seven oligarchs and 17 senior government officials. Do we know how much money we're talking about? No. Just I'll keep looking. All right. Own a rental property? Don't want to rent to an illegal alien? L.A. City Council says, too bad, so sad. People were waiting in line for a place. Can't ask. Yeah, now we already have Assembly Bill 291 that the governor signed, and it's against the law for a landlord to threaten a tenant over immigration status or to question them over it, but the city of L.A. decided that wasn't good enough, and they want a harsher law with harsher penalties. I'm going to look at both sides. One, you have to have people able to rent a place. On the other side, if you're a landlord and all of a sudden your tenant ends up in Awaxa and uh, is deported, what do you do? You're out to lunch. So if I'm illegal, I'm fine with this bill. If I'm a landlord, I'm going to go, come on, guys. Don't you think I should find out whether someone is here legally or not? All I have to do is say... uh, I am here legally, and then how far do you go? Well, they do background searches. They do, and you know, up I think the landlords of L.A. need to get together and file a lawsuit over this because up in Seattle, they passed a law limiting what you could ask tenants and that basically if any tenant met your minimum criteria, whatever it was, that it was first apply, first in. You couldn't choose. And the landlords went to court, and they got it overturned because the court found it was an unconstitutional taking of the use of their private property. Ooh. And maybe this could work here as well so that landlords can ask what they want. Right. How can you not be able to say, I think that that family is going to do a better job than this other family. They're more well, they're better dressed. They look like they're more careful. This group of people are slovenly, for example. I'm just throwing something out. Uh, you know, it's a hypothetical. Uh, or I just like those folks. I'd rather have them rent than not. Right. I think what people forget sometimes is you're allowed to discriminate against people. You can't discriminate based on race and right. certain other protected factors. But beyond that, you're 100% allowed to discriminate based on how somebody's dressed or how they speak, or you don't like their the semantics of their speech or their vocabulary. 
And L.A. is one of these cities that's trying to make it harder and harder for people to use their private property. And to answer your question, Handel, I've just been sort of tooling around here. It looks like these guys might have been worth about a billion dollars combined. With assets they have here. Yes, with assets here that were frozen. So that's that's me kind of doing two plus two equals four kind of thing. Now, that's just assets frozen. They're entitled when they release the assets, uh, they're entitled. I think they're entitled plus interest. Because remember when we froze the assets of Iran uh, and then the deal was cut to release the uh, prisoners that were kept 444 days when Ronald Reagan became president. And remember, as soon as he was sworn in wheels up leaving Iran, uh, we released. uh, Well, uh, no, that's when we were frozen. When did we release with the Iran deal? That was it. I think it was a nuclear deal that we released the assets that were frozen in the United States for a bunch of years. Uh, It was five hundred billion dollars and then plus interest turned out to be almost two billion. Right. And people went berserk. Or no, it was 150 million and it came up to almost 200 billion. I mean, it was an astronomical figure. Paid interest. Compounded daily. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Well, I don't think a judge is supposed to call people on trial clowns or a-holes, but that's just me. I'm on the judge's side. I'm not saying that these... Only because it's so entertaining. Well, that's it. I'm not saying that maybe these guys aren't those adjectives. Yeah, but you can't do that when you're a judge. Ah, no. And he got caught. Uh, It was a recording on one of the defendant's laptops. Laptops, I want to know how that happened because uh, certainly the the defendants with their laptops weren't going back into chambers. If this was happening in the open courtroom during a break, and it says it was recorded during a break in the proceedings... Was the judge saying these things sitting there on the bench? I don't know. Either way, I mean, it's uh, look what he said. Uh, he's going to reject the defense motion to sever the case into separate trials because he wants to hear both sides uh, implicate each other, and the jury convicts both. And he goes, wouldn't that be great? And that's why I'm going to do that. I mean, this guy was uh, just nuts. Also, wh- one, of the, the lawyer, one of the defendants was representing himself and filed a motion and the judge said, I'm not touching that envelope because that guy is HIV positive and who knows where his tongue has been. Now, my guess is uh, those convictions are going to be overturned even if they pled guilty. And there'll yeah. be a new judge. There'll and be a new, a new trial. judge and a new trial. And this mm. is a murder case, right? Didn't it's not murder? just a murder case. It is a big time. They got this uh, retired art dealer out in Palm Springs and he disappeared. They never found his body, but these guys, like, cleaned out his bank accounts. They stole his identity. The theory of the prosecution is they stabbed him to death in his kitchen and took all his stuff, and they even tried to sell his house after he was dead. So it's not even a garden-variety murder case. Crazy. Uh, Hey, a substitute teacher's in a little bit of trouble for a classroom activity. First rule of Fight Club is do not talk about Fight Club. Yeah, substitute teacher Ryan Avery Fish, who is now fired, was running a fight club with some kids in his uh, Montville High School, that's in Connecticut, math class. He was also arrested. Yeah, well, the the fight club stuff happened. He was actually fired back in October. Now, right, he's been arrested. His bail $75,000. So that means you can't, if you're a teacher, you can't have fight clubs in class? I think that's I the get, lesson. Is here, that yes. the takeaway here? But right. you know what? I mean, this th- that he says, "I'm an idiot. I just wanted to be friends with the students." The guy was only 23. 
He's barely older that than the kids That is one of the problems te- yes. with having teachers yes. that young in high school. Not in elementary school or maybe even junior high. But sometimes you get 22-year-olds in a classroom in high school with 17 and even 18-year-olds. I remember going to a party, a high school party, where one of my substitute teachers showed up. And I remember specifically cheersing him with red Solo cups of beer. And the next day he's teaching me math. That's uh, fantastic. I think that's wrong. I, you know, again. Well, just... It's so wrong, it's right. Exactly. Well, there was a high school freshman who was shot at after he just knocked on somebody's door to ask for directions to school. Don't like the direction you are going to. Uh, what race was this kid? Well. Does it say? I... He was black. Was he? I was going to say, yep. I don't know that it is. He was said. black and he knocked on the door of a white couple and they freaked out and thought he was trying to break into the house. This kid missed the bus. So he tries to walk to school, but then he kind of gets lost. He's, you know, can't remember the route. So he goes, well, hey, there's a there's a house. So he goes to the door, knocks a few times. The lady thought that he was trying to break in. So she yells at her husband. The husband just grabs the shotgun and the kid like is saying, hey, I'm just looking for directions or whatever. I guess the husband didn't buy it and shot at the well, kid as he's running away. Yeah. And thank goodness uh, he was not hit. And uh, the police were very understanding to uh, the husband. Yes, we understand that uh, you thought there was a break-in. In the meantime, put your hands behind your back uh, <laughs> as the handcuffs go on. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, you can't do that. No. Uh, if you were hoping to see Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, doing a little workout with the Seattle Seahawks, you're going to have to wait a little longer. Get up, stand up. They had stand invited him. In for a workout, but they postponed it, and there's some conflicting information about why. The team said, well, what happened is we asked him about what are your non-football commitments long-term? Because we don't want to get involved with you, and then you decide you're going to go off and do something that's not football. But other people are saying it's because they wanted him to say he would stop kneeling during the national anthem, and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do about hmm. that. Is he, is he Catholic by any chance? I don't think so. That makes it even worse. The kneeling. Yeah. Oh, this story. This one kills me. There's this mom who let her four-year-old eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a Target shopping cart. And this woman has been blasted on social media, even being called a monster. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. Interesting connection here, too. When you put, uh, you connect the dots. It's because she is not cognizant or does not care enough about kids who have these horrible peanut allergies that can go into anaphylactic shock. Uh, anaphylactic, well, you know what? Uh, anaphylactic shock? Yeah, that one too. I mean, both of those. And uh, end up dying. And so, therefore, because the kid eats uh, the peanut butter and jelly and smears uh, the peanut butter and jelly or the peanut butter all over uh, the, uh, the handle of the car. Hey, you know what? If your kid happens to have a peanut allergy, a couple of things. Uh, maybe you don't want to go shopping with them because uh, the store is full of peanut products. And maybe you want to take one of those hand sanitizers and scrub down every place the kid can touch. So, But it's not your fault for not doing that. It's the mom who serves the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So this woman walks up to the mom who's letting her kid eat the sandwich And this woman starts lecturing this mom. And so then the mom goes on Urban Baby and just 
basically says, hey, am I so wrong? Was I, you know, such a monster to let my kid eat peanut butter in public? Turns out, according to Urban Baby, yes. These are some of the reactions she got. Uh, your total disdain for the safety of other kids is awful. You're the worst kind of person. It's not impossible to feed your child before or after putting them in a shopping cart. So gross, you packed a PB&J for your kid to eat in Target. Oh, I hope no child dies because of residual peanuts on the cart. You know, I would only feel better if someone came up to this woman and she threw the sandwich at this woman. Literally took <laughs> it out of the kid's hands and just ah. smashed it in her face like a pie. <laughs> By the way, they did do research into whether being exposed to peanut butter but not eating it causes a problem for kids with peanut allergies. And they had 30 kids with big peanut allergies, and they actually smeared peanut butter on their skin. None of them got seriously sick. About a third of them got a rash. Okay. So I don't know that a kid would die from being exposed to her, but it's still gross, quite honestly. Uh, well, a man has been uh, accused of running a puppy mill. And they seized a bunch of sick dogs and uh, people saying they were selling sick dogs all across Southern California. Isn't he also it? claims to be a pastor well, on his Facebook yeah, page. I don't know if he really is. Yeah, anybody can claim to be anything on Facebook. Uh, isn't it illegal to run a pa- uh, puppy mill? Absolutely. Yes. And where? Is it in the state or is it the county? Yeah, in uh, Phelan, in the high desert. It's well, just it's just illegal. You can't have puppy mills. Breeder, no. Breeders are out of business. Right. And, and in fact, even pet stores can't sell unless it's a designated. I think it's like you have to be a certified breeder or something like that. Um, but there there are major, major restrictions on that. Otherwise, though, the animals that are in the even the pet store have to be either shelter animals or something like that. You can't you can't just have a random guy you selling what, you puppies. What's wonderful about this whole concept of no kill shelters and shelter animals uh, is when they first started coming out with that, I thought, you know, dogs and dogs specifically are being born in such numbers that there's no way they're ever going to catch up with it. They've caught up with it. Now I think it's 90% of dogs that are brought to shelters are, in fact, uh, they find a home. I mean, some astronomical figure. And then the other ones have to be euthanized animals that are very sick, animals that are very close to dying anyway. Yeah. Yep. I, it seems like none of this really matters anyway, does it? No, Jen? because we're all going to die on yep. April 23rd. I've always wondered about these uh, idiot evangelical uh, pastors, these clergy people, when they give you a date specific as to when the world's going to end. Because then what happens when they're wrong? Uh, yeah, the next day you wake up and you go, hey, hey, what happened? How about those that have you sell everything? Right. I mean, that's it. And you go to the mountaintop, you've sold, you've given everything away, and you have no place to sit anymore, and you have no place to live because you've given it all away waiting for the rapture. And uh, then you turn to the priests and go, well, it's not even a priest. It's just some crazy lunatic, uh, uh, some cult leader. And you go, hey, hey, what happened? Who was one of the big ones? Said, okay, I got it a little bit wrong. It'll happen next year. I just misread the Bible. With the dates, because the dates are always, it's not in the Bible saying April 23rd, uh, 2018 is when it's going to happen. It's always putting together, well, in this case, putting together the whole numerology. uh, uh, The moon and the the sun will be in Virgo, as will Jupiter, and Jupiter represents the Messiah. I thought the whole point was you're you're not supposed to know when. You're supposed to be ready at all times for the possibility and live your life accordingly. So 
all of these people who claim that there are clues in the Bible about when it's going to happen seem to be missing the entire point. Yeah, Nostradamus with his, I love all those uh, on the History Channel, uh, the Nostradamus stories. You know, and he puts together these ridiculous arguments. As, See, that's what he said. It's going to happen. Uh, fine. <laughs> uh, hey, the union that represents Bill and me and Jen, uh, they want a ban on auditions in hotel rooms and private residences. Now, if you're trying out for a part and you end up meeting someone at their home, doesn't that raise a red flag instantly? Does not say well, well. It should, but you know what? It is more common than you might imagine. Right. Uh, and so SAG after says, if you're acting as a producer, you should not hold auditions like that. And if you're an actor and you're asked to go to one, you shouldn't go. Now, hotel rooms, I think uh, many times there is a casting issue with hotel rooms because people come from outside of town and will hold auditions. And but you could rent a conference room or something at that hotel, I suppose, rather than having it in your room. You know, though, this made me think, too, because they're, I used to do sort of an entertainment circuit and they would take it. They would set, you know, like a star, like a John Travolta in a hotel room. And then we would sit sort of in the hallway and just wait. And they'd be like, Jennifer, and you'd go in and you and John would sit in his right. hotel room for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I wonder if they're going to start stopping that, too. I can't, ima- a different I issue. can't imagine uh, because, first of all, John Travolta doesn't have to do a whole lot of auditioning. Uh, that's that's for no. Starters. I just mean, but I don't period. think no. no like press junket, it's like a press, press junket, right, right? But everything there that's recorded and there's press people around and the the star has yeah. their publicity people. This is you know people are going to hotel rooms and the only person in the hotel room is a Harvey Weinstein, for example. That's what they're saying shouldn't happen anymore. And then let's do one last story. All right. And Backpage.com, the CEO finally pleads guilty after that sex site was shut down. And this is a state case. This is not the federal 93 count indictment. Started clear back by Kamala Harris when she was California Attorney General. And it's the CEO uh, who has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors against lower level you got to get in first. That's if you it. want the big benefit, you have to get in first. That's the that's all cooperate. Care about. Yep. That's right. So second in is no go. Oh, uh, second it depends on how big the enterprise is. The first you could get, you know, 10 people might have a nice in, but depending on how big it is, there's a cutoff point at which the feds are not interested in you helping them anymore. All right. Well, we're done, guys. Uh coming up John Thomas uh, joins us with the Thomas guide. And we have more than a a couple things to talk about with the breaking news. This is uh, KFI AM 640. Time for the Thomas Guide to All Things Political. John Thomas on The Bill Handel Show. Kevin McCarthy's rise to this uh, position, if he does become speaker, would be the quickest rise of anyone in about since the 19th century. Time for the Thomas Guide every Friday. And uh, this is uh, John Thomas uh, on social media, the Thomas Guide. And, oh, we got a lot to cover, obviously. Uh, and uh, your president, the guy you voted for, John, because you're a Republican. Uh, oh, God, he's, he was great this morning, wasn't he? In reference to, oh, do I have to, you have to do free movie Fridays. That's right. Sorry. Uh, John, please help us out with free movie Fridays. It's free movie Friday with Adam Tickets. 
They're giving you a chance to win free movie tickets, Bill, and you know that I like Adam tickets because I'm running always running late to the movie theater. That's true. So you can text them now. Text the word reporter to Adam1. That's A-T-O-M-1 for your chance to win. Uh, standard data and text messaging rates apply. Text now. You know, they pay for me to do this. Yeah, how come I... I know. The, what, it's just, I know. It's just, I, I, just, I get a pass. You know, I got here and there was no coffee in the building. Not None. even a single bean. I know. There is no coffee in the building. What is going on <laughs> where there is no coffee in the building? For the record, right now, I'm telling management, Legrette, this one's for you. Fire these people. It's true. I, I know. I was really looking forward to that. But anyway, I digress. All right, All right now, uh, yes, Comey comes out with his book. And he rips into the president, but does it in uh, sort of um, in his way. I mean, it's it's devastating, but untruthful. Uh, it's a forest fire of a president calling him a mob boss. Yeah, well, compare not calling him or, a mob or, boss. Well, okay, well, he made the comparison. To. And yeah. then, of course, uh, the president comes back with untruthful slime ball. <laughs> How do you not love this guy? Well, and, huh? That's so presidential. And, and, the, and the RNC launched last night to get out in, ahead of this book because they hadn't seen a copy. They're trying to discredit him, and they launched a website called Lion Comey. And they go through, and they basically document how both Republicans and Democrats over the last year or so have said the guy's got to go, that he had but to be fired. How many? Do people pay attention to that? Does it's, the electorate no, actually no, pay the, attention the elect- to any of that? No, the electorate doesn't, but lazy reporters do. And so they will start parroting back those talking points. And I think the concern of the Trump admin- Trump White House and the RNC is that Comey was going to have a run of a week or so simply having his frame being driven because it's so salacious and not the other side of the story. And so they're trying to get out in front of it. You know, here, obviously, you know, look, Comey's disgruntled. Uh, he also was probably told by his publisher that you have to come up with some salacious things. Otherwise, you won't sell any books. You can't earn your signing bonus and all of that. But if I were Comey and I were trying to um, insult and take down the president, I don't know if I would have gone with the you know the tan line around the eyes. Yeah. The petty. I think I just think the pettiness right. brings him down I a agree few with na- notches where he could have just. Called it like he said it, you know. Uh, and like he, you're right. And and the way he perceived it, because I don't think anybody doesn't believe that he believes everything he said. There's nothing there like Michael Wolf, who manufactured right. three quarters of what he said. I don't think Comey manufactured any of that. I, I don't think so. I think it's just through his lens. Also, right. what was slightly interesting, at least in the excerpts that I've seen so far, was when he described the briefing of Russia in Trump Tower. And he was shocked that the president, instead of the next question the president had, he thought would have naturally been, what can we do to stop Russia? It was immediately he and Sean, Sp- uh, President Trump and Sean Spicer were sitting there talking about the optics and the talking points to get out in front of this story. And I think Comey was repulsed yeah, but isn't that by what, the political nature of but, it all. But isn't that exactly what happens in any White House? Yes, with the exception of it's usually not the office holder driving that conversation because they're not their own strategist. Trump is his – it would be in the Obama White House. I guarantee you when David Axelrod would be in those meetings, the first thing that went through his head was, okay, how are we going to handle this narrative? It was not about what, what are we go- – how are we going to deploy the FBI? But, the, but his job was not to govern. His job was to create the narrative, David, David Axelrod. That's what he was there for. 
Yes, that's right. And, he was and, a political director. Right. And Donald, as you said, Donald Trump's his own political director. So which way do you think that Donald Trump leans towards? And that is the narrative. Absolutely. Or the, and not the and not the governing part. It's yeah, the governing comes secondary, but I think he understands and he smartly understands that if you aren't in control and winning the narrative, you can't govern. You can't get anything done. The narrative people's perceptions about the narrative and how you frame a story is critical in your ability to govern. Bill, if you if a story gets away from you, usually when something big is about to break, you've got an hour or two to to spin it in the right direction. And if you don't, it slips away from you. And, and Trump gets that. He, he's a he's a reality TV star, right? He, he he understands optics and branding. That's largely how he made it through a primary. But anyway, getting back to the Comey thing, um, I again I haven't read it yet, but. I have be, once you get beyond the salacious nature of it, I've heard conflicting reviews. Even Bill Crystal, who's no fan of the president from the Weekly Standard, trashed Comey in the book last night on Twitter, saying this is going to be a one day story. There's just absolutely nothing. Uh, it's all just opinion. There's no there's no meat here. So we'll see. T- time will tell. But remember, Comey, as much as he's a disgruntled employee and wants to take down Trump and have the higher ground. He's also now in the business selling books. Right, of course forget he is. That. All right, what I want to do is, and we're not going to uh, take a break yet. Uh, what quickly I want to do is, uh, uh, oh my God, did I just forget? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. There no, because you didn't have coffee this morning. Uh, that's true. There's no coffee in the building uh, at all. It drives me completely nuts. When we come back, we're going to talk about the governor's race because that's heating up a lot. Oh, and then... Um, uh, I've heard conflicting reports and analysis that Paul Ryan, either it doesn't really matter that he's leaving because it's going to be a, a fairly easy transfer probably to Kevin McCartney, or it's a big deal that he is leaving and the Republican Party has some issues here. I can explain that. All right, we'll do that when we come back, uh, and then we're going to go to the governor's race, and then I'm probably going to remember uh, actually, I did remember uh, what uh, what I was saying. So, Robin, I did remember. So, don't even talk to me this morning, okay? Uh, don't even. Bother. It's really Robin's fault because there's no coffee. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so it's not just Legret; it's also uh, <laughs> right. Bertolucci. All right, and also coming back after the break, your chance to win a thousand dollars. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have loose teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call eight 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 six forty Smile. All right, Jennifer Jones Lee. I'm with you guys on that coffee thing. Somebody says it's gonna roll. And KFI Handle here. It is a a Friday morning. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. They notify the winner by calling them. You have to pick up that call. Joyce and Artesia did, and she is $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, back we go. John Thomas with the Thomas Guide uh, Politics. Uh, today we are, uh, here are the top stories that we're covering. The Comey memoir is out. Uh, uh, James Comey rips in the president, although the president does a, uh, you can't compete with the president in terms well, of ripping, that's ripping into and people. That's what's fascinating about this is, 
Lion Comey, you know, is is going up against a guy who's an expert takedown artist. Right. I, I mean, and he, literally, he no one has defeated him when they go head to head with hey, this guy. So, so Trump writes this morning, uh, untruthful slime ball. Uh, does that just come out of him spontaneously, or does he actually sit down and go through the words and descriptions? So I know that he sits down and thinks about these things, the, the tags. He thinks about them like he knew this was coming. So I guarantee you he spent weeks brewing that up. But he, I, I know that was his process in the primary, in the presidential primary with Little Marco and Lion Ted and um, Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. Yeah, I, those were all those were all the Donalds. He came up with those. Fantastic. You got to give him credit. You know, what was interesting, though, in his tweet, he made a good argument. He said, uh, you know, before I fired Comey, everybody on both sides of the aisle were demanding that Comey be fired. And then I finally did it. And now everybody's attacking right. me. Well, that whole issue with uh, 11 days before uh, the uh, the election, and that is uh, Hillary Clinton sort of is guilty. Well, no, not really. We're not going to go forward. But there's sort of still plenty there. Well, and of, that, that was, was, that was, that was crazy. An, a fascinating admission of the excerpts I've seen in the book. And which he said is, he did it wrong. Which he said... The reason he made the announcement was because he thought that Hillary had it in the bag. He thought it wouldn't have – there was no way it could change the outcome of the election. And, of and, course, it did. And he didn't – and he said he didn't want her to be um, an illegitimate president if she did get elected, and then he releases information later on. But, but bottom line is – you can't think about that, Bill. When you're in that position of law enforcement, it's when you get the information, you, you go make the it. announcement. Damn the consequences. All right. Now, uh, let's uh, go forward with the uh, Paul Ryan exiting and Kevin McCartney uh, probably coming in in the speakership, which, incidentally, after we talked about it, you told me that Kevin McCartney's, uh, McCarthy's people called you. They did reach out. And uh, they said, we heard you on. But Bill, you got a big audience out there. I guess. Even Bakersfield. <laughs> all right. All right. So, um uh, two stories uh, from you. Originally, it was it's no big deal. It's going to be fairly seamless to the next speaker. To others, I've heard it is a big deal for the Republican Party. Which one? I think what you're going to see, you're already seeing since the announcement. Remember, Ryan said that he was going to finish his term. Right. And you're he's getting a lot of pushback saying, uh, no, you're not. You're going to resign now and, re and resign your speakership now because an effective speaker has a couple things in his control. One is the ability to offer favors in the future. But if you're not going to be around to deliver those favors, you yeah. can't cut deals. And the other is having a long memory of when somebody screws you so that you can go you know, vote against them or dock their funding. And, and so Ryan doesn't have that leverage. And then the last thing is a good speaker, and Ryan was very good at this, is a great fundraiser. And when you're just not going to have the same drive, you can't make the same argument to donors saying, give us 20 million bucks now because together we're going to fight. So he effectively is a lame duck speaker mm -hmm. uh, who has become marginalized in terms of power. And for someone who is a true Republican Party guy, why would he do that? I, th I think he he was just wants to finish it on his own. He probably has a couple things bu buckets uh, or boxes he wants to check on the way out, and it was just kind of selfish in that sense. But I predict he's going to be pushed out. I, I I'm betting anything that the White House is going to force his hand to to be pushed out. It looks like it's Kevin McCarthy simply uh, because not only is Kevin McCarthy a great fundraiser. He's very well liked by members of the House, but the Freedom Caucus that follows what Donald Trump says. Trump loves Kevin McCarthy.
I mean, consults him regularly. They get along very well. If Trump weighs in publicly and says McCarthy's the guy the Freedom Caucus will break, it's game over. And we even saw Steve Scalise, who's the only other name so far being mentioned. He was on Fox News yesterday, and he made it very clear. I would never run against Kevin McCarthy. So if Kevin McCarthy uh, McCarthy wants it, it's his. Yeah. Now, that's politician speak. For, I would never run against Kevin McCarthy. I guarantee you Scalise's staff is still counting votes. Yeah, of course. But 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 I don't think he wants to have a public battle with Kevin McCarthy. And um, does McCarthy want it? Yes. Is he, he, is, he wanted it last time. He is lobbying for it right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They've been running a shadow game for weeks. And it's been pretty well documented. Remember, this is... Kevin was supposed to be the speaker last go around. He still wants it. Got the it. guy works his rear end off as majority leader. The the allure of speaker is really is really great. All right, uh, let's take a break and we'll come back, and then we're going to talk about the governor's race and something just happened in the Villaraigosa race. Uh, his candidacy it, it, it could put Villaraigosa in a top two. It could, and I'll explain why. Yeah, uh, here's a hint: uh, Villaraigosa is never ever going to miss. Uh, an original Netflix show for he the rest a, of his life. He does a lot of Netflix and chilling. Uh, he certainly does. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll be back and uh, talk about what's going on in the governor's race. Uh, this is KFI Jones Lee, a news break, please. Fired FBI Director James Comey's new book calls President Trump unethical, untethered to the truth, and ego-driven. In response, President Trump is calling Comey a proven leaker and liar and a slime ball. In his book due out next week, Comey compares Trump to notorious mafia boss, mafia boss Sammy the Bull, Comey also claims White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who was Homeland Security Director at the time, almost resigned in protest when Trump fired Comey. Comey says he told Kelly to stay because Trump needs to be surrounded by people with principles. News is brought to you by American Vision Windows. A big tree has fallen down in West L.A. because of strong winds. It's blocking a street and has damaged some cars. L.A. Fire Captain Clifford Smith says the tree caused some other problems, too. Three connections for the power lines were down, uh, three hot wires. We assume in electricity everything is hot until it's confirmed uh, de-energized by DWP. That has happened now. Crews have to work to get the power back on and the city's cutting up the tree. A measure working its way through the L.A. City Council would provide protections for renters who are immigrants. The proposed ordinance would go after landlords for looking into the immigration status of tenants. They are not the law enforcement. They have no authority to do that. They're not ICE. They have no authority to engage in ICE's activities. Councilman Gil Cedillo says landlords could face jail time and fines for checking immigration status or forwarding someone's known status to an agency like ICE. We want to make clear that people understand there's a consequence if they abuse that. Cedillo says there have been stories of landlords exploiting renters by threatening to expose their immigration status. At City Hall, Chris Ancarlo, KFI News. A woman in Baltimore has been arrested for a murder in L.A. TV producer Jill Blackstone is accused of killing her deaf and partly blind sister three years ago. Detectives say she drugged the woman, put her in a garage, and set the building on fire to make the death look accidental, even wrote a suicide note. 49-year-old Wendy Blackstone was found unconscious but later died. Jill Blackstone had been taken into custody two days after the death but was let go until cops did more digging. Aaron Bender, KFI News. Traffic from the helpful SoCal Honda Traffic Center. We're taking a look at the 10. We'll start in Alhambra on the 10 westbound just before Garfield. It's the left lane this block with a crash. So it's pretty solid for you from Rosemead Boulevard and West Covina, 10 eastbound of Via Verde. It's just a broken down car, but it's in the middle traffic lane. So that gets kind of busy right around Holt, Norwalk, 605 South. And uh, this is uh, KFI, Bill Handel here on a Friday the 13th. 
Uh, the big story that we're covering this morning is Syria. When is that going to happen? When and if is the president going to unload on Syria? And, of course, the Russian influence is huge. And the Comey memoir is out. And it looks like Donald Trump is going to win uh, the fight, at least the Twitter You know, war. Bill, we didn't talk about golden showers this morning. Uh, yes. And that's the other. The president and I said something about this. And we can say golden showers because that's what the news is doing. And the president, according to uh, what I've read this morning, uh, or according to what James Comey said, was more obsessed with stopping that story as opposed to, and I'm guessing, and this is letting the story go and saying that's how stupid these rumors are. It's even reached that point. I think it's because the president's inclinations is to always push back. Uh, And he saw this story that he felt was salacious, and he's saying that. This can't stand. Somebody needs to correct the record on this. But I think Comey felt, and there's an argument to be made, that it's not the point of law enforcement yeah, it's not, not, the, to, yeah. not to correct a tabloid right, gossip. Right, the FBA director. So let's go to the governor's race. And uh, Villaraigosa, who is universally hated, and for a reason, because he is universally mm-hmm. hated. And well, let's qualify that. In Los Angeles, where people know him. Right. Where people don't know him in much of the state, I'm sure his, I don't want to say he's liked, but he's neutral and he can yeah. form their perception. And he has the same reputation, at least here, as Hillary Clinton did. Uh, you, uh, what you do is you wet your finger, you put it up in the air, and whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the direction you're going uh, into politically. He just got $8 million from Reed Hastings, the guy who owns uh, Netflix. Uh, $8 million. Now, how big a deal is that in the governor's well, race? Well, it's it could be significant. It's not in itself going to change the game. First of all, it was to a super PAC supporting uh, Viragosa because that's over the campaign contribution limits. So technically, Antonio cannot coordinate. Yeah, but give me uh, a break. Well, okay, but legally, you know, once the contribution's been made, that's it. There's no more, no more talking. Um, but let's back up why this is significant. Because if you look at the latest polling that came out this week in the race for governor, one thing's been consistent since day one. That is, um, Gavin Newsom, his floor is very high in the 20s, low 30s, depends where you're looking. He's going to run off, even if he didn't spend a penny, but he also has lots of pennies. I think he's got like 20 plus million bucks. So he's going to run off. So it's a fight for second. John Cox, who's a Republican down from San Diego, uh, wealthy businessman, has been in this race. So has Travis Allen, a, a former assembly person, another Republican. And they've been – the question is, is it two Dems in a runoff or is it a Dem and a Reap? And Cox now – Republicans be, seem to start to be coalescing a little bit around Cox, putting him at about 17 and Antonio at about 15. And it had – that those that spread has not budged in the last two or three weeks. So Cox is saying, this is great. We're surging. I'm going to get to a top two. That's not necessarily true. Because the difference between 15 and 17 is margin of error stuff, Bill. And if the question is here, – here's where people's analysis is wrong. Travis Allen is at 7. He's, he's another Republican. He's at 7%. Travis Allen does not have a lot of money. However, Travis Allen has purchased all of these things called slate mailers, these slate cards. The cost per unit of these, these cards, you see them every year. So the Republican Voters Guide, the Public Safety Voter Guide – the cost, because you share it with a bunch of other candidates, the cost per unit is anywhere from two to ten cents per unit. It's very, very low. So uh, Travis Allen is going to communicate with the Republican electorate, and that hasn't happened yet. Those pieces won't drop for a few more weeks. When those pieces drop, Travis will grow. He will take John Cox's share of vote. So the question it comes down to is: Is John Cox going to pony up ten to fifteen million of his own money in the next couple weeks? And he has it, right? 
Well, Maybe not. I don't know his personal financial situation, but he's not Meg Whitman wealthy. And to cut a check for that size to what? Win the primary? Hey, I mean, where's the end game, Bill? Okay, assuming Villaraigosa goes up against uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, and let's say they raise the same amount of money. Villaraigosa is a local guy. He's very well known in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Gavin Newsom is statewide. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is recognized across the state. Um, what What would happen between the two of them? And, of course, Republicans... Uh, those are the two choices they have. Who do they go with, Villaraigosa, or they elect well, not to vote? Well, you, you, you'll see some people. Um, the I think the impact of not having a Republican in the top two, you're probably going to see a couple point uh, difference in turnout uh, in, in Republicans not showing up, which, look, in some of these tight assembly and congressional races in Orange County could, in fact, make the difference and tilt these seats to Democratic hands. So, the Republican Party really does have a vested interest in getting a Republican in the top two. If it's Antonio versus uh, versus Gavin, Gavin by the way, if Antonio wants to get into a top two, he can, but he's going to need more than eight million. He's probably going to need twenty to thirty. And let's not forget, an independent group, a super PAC, does not get the lowest unit rate. They don't get the candidates rate. They pay commercial, which is about fifty percent more expensive for the airtime. So that eight million is really only like four million. Remember, I said you need fifteen to twenty million candidate dollars. So that really means Antonio needs more like $30 million to punch through. Let's assume he does that. He gets into a runoff. It's early to make a prediction, but that's what we do here. So I'm just going to make a prediction. I still think uh, Antonio loses uh, to Gavin Newsom, and that's because uh, Ga- the coalition that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of Republicans that just – even if they vote, they won't be voting for governor. They won't – or they'll do a write-in. And Antonio needs a surge in Latino turnout to get him across the finish line in November. I think the story we're going to be talking about in November is how weak Latino turnout was because they don't vote in non-presidentials. They don't. And a governor's race is not exciting enough to turn them out. Unless Donald Trump is on the ballot himself, the Latino turnout will probably not be enough to get Antonio across the finish line. Who's more liberal? Uh, Via Ragosa or Gavin Newsom? No, Although that may News, be Newsom, no, Newsom, qu- no question about. But that it. may not. But that's not a fair question because uh, Antonio Villaraigosa could be as liberal as he thinks he needs yeah, to be. Yeah, but but I don't think if he gets into a runoff, he's going to play the centrist card. That's that's where he should. That's right. the space he should occupy. All right. So now, uh, right now, we have a Republican governor who actually is fairly conservative. Uh, if you look at, uh, you mean a Democratic I mean a Democrat yeah. in the world of Democratic yeah, governors. Is. Yeah. Now Gavin Newsom becomes governor, uh, Democrats have a super majority, let's say, in the state legislature. Uh, are, are we just taxed out of oblivion? Do people just leave California because they can't afford to live here anymore? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid uh, I'm afraid of what will happen. Simply, you need these checks and balances. And Jerry Brown, other than his cuckoo train and, and things like that, has been fairly reasonable in being a check and balance. Yeah, that's right. You're going to see more ballot measures uh, to increase taxes that are going to sound like you're helping puppies and kittens, but it's just going to be taxing us. Um, it's it's you're going to see uh, um, more ser- free services handed out. But more more devastating is the day that Gavin Newsom gets elected governor. If he does win, he's going to be looking at president, and that's a problem because you're going to start seeing him use the office of governor to just attack Trump, and it's not really about representing the people of California.
All right. Oh, so much. I end on that happy note. No, yeah. no, I get it. Are you moving, by the way? Uh, <laughs> no, would you be leaving no. if Gavin Newsom becomes no. president? No, I love this place. But uh, look, the fun thing about politics is anything can happen still. Okay. There's still time. But these candidates, whether it's self-funding Cox, have to make that decision literally in the next week, Bill. All right. Uh, thank you, John Thomas. All social media, The Thomas Guide, and uh, every Friday uh, here, mm-hmm. uh, which is always fun. All right. Uh, coming up, there is an excellent chance that Mickey Mouse will be performing at Coachella. Yeah, I'll I'll explain. I know you're giving me the weird look, but let me explain how those two really are very, very close. That's coming right up. KFI AM 6. here on a uh, Friday, uh, the 13th of April. And the big stories are going to be covered for the rest of the day. The Comey memoir and uh, the president and Comey are now at it with each other. And the president is winning, uh, of course, the tweet war. Why? Uh, because he starts with uh, this morning, untruthful slime ball in starting to discuss Comey. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Uh, here's uh, what I, I want to share with you. And uh, this is about Coachella. And I am to be a huge fan of not only Coachella, uh, but uh, Paul Tollette, who is uh, who runs Coachella. I'm interviewing him a couple times. A rather extraordinary person. And where is the comparison between Mickey Mouse and Coachella? You wouldn't think the two would be connected. They're both fanatic about their brand names. Fanatic. As a matter of fact, uh, and I've shared this story with you about Disney before. Disney is so insane about controlling the Disney name or the characters, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, that it is actually, if people on, um, someone who owns a daycare center has Mickey Mouse painted on the wall outside, uh, will get a letter from Disney. Cease and desist. Little lady who has uh, eight people at her daycare center. Well, Coachella is much the same way. They guard that name uh, to such an extent uh, that when people, and I'm talking about uh, folks uh, that uh, lawsuits were brought against uh, Hoodchella and Filmchella. I mean, you look at Chella in any way, and what happens? Golden Voice, the people that uh, own the, uh, the, uh, the Coachella Festival, are uh, just, uh, well, Paul is, uh, that's that's his, that's his baby. And there's an argument, uh, this is a trademark that shouldn't be a trademark. Why? Because it's a point on the map. It's a place. And how do you trademark a place? Well, let me tell you what Golden Voice says. And when you think about it, it's totally uh, legitimate. How many people know that the Coachella Festival happens to be in the Coachella Valley? Nobody. When you think of Coachella, as soon as the name is brought up, it's the festival. That has, that's it. So they don't think of the area of the country. So the area is uh, secondary. That's how you get a trademark on Coachella. And the same is true of festivals like Lollapalooza. Try using Palooza. In various uh, names and in uh, various uh, at various venues, it's not going to work. It really isn't. So, uh, oh, I love these. Uh, there is uh, they sued Urban Outfitters uh, 2016. This is Golden Voice uh, because it sold clothes specifically marketed to the would-be festival attendees. 
uh, including a Bella Coachella line of clothes, a Coachella Valley tunic. And here was Coachella's argument, and it resonates, saying, here's the problem with that. We have sponsorships with clothiers. We have direct relationships, and anything that even smacks of us endorsing any uh, any competitor to those relationships we have gets in the way of our contractual relations. And that's absolutely correct. Now, here's one that's a little controversial. And that is something called a radius clause. Uh, and an Oregon concert promoter is suing uh, the uh, the folks at Coachella because of a radio radius clause. If an artist appears at Coachella, by contract, that artist is prohibited from playing music festivals or themed events inside of a five-state radius around California from December to May. So there is a Portland, Oregon event called the Sold Out Music Festival, S-O-U-L apostrophe D, clever. The Sold Out Music Festival that argues... You know, we lost out on a a few crucial bookings because those artists appeared at Coachella, even though we're a thousand miles away. Well, I I think that that argument uh, against Coachella is, I think that resonates. Because how far out can you go? It's, well, let me give you the example. Uh, I have a contract uh, with KFI where uh, during the course of my contract, I can't go across the street, right? I can't, in this market, compete. But if, uh, let's say, I quit and I go to another market, let's say I go to Portland or I go to Wisconsin, I, why? I don't know, but still, uh, maybe I decide that I want to eat a lot of moose. And, uh, hey, who the hell cares? Uh, But... That is uh, an argument because there's no competition there. There is none. Uh, And so uh, I think the argument uh, with the sold-out music festival, in fact, uh, is going to fly for sure. And uh, so Coachella, they own it. They own it. As a matter of fact, oh, what's hilarious is that you remember Desert Trip with... um, Old Coachella. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I think that... Uh, Golden Voice could sue you for using Old Cella, even though it refers specifically to Desert Trip. So there. Just because of the cella part of it? Just because of the cella part. I don't even think. But they don't the, own Coachella the name. Coachella is a place. No, they do own Coachella the name. They trademark They it. really, they really own know. it. Because it may be a place, but the place now has become secondary. When you go Coachella, everybody thinks of the festival. As a matter of fact, I don't think an orchestra can even advertise that it has cella players. Oh, that's cello. Okay. Yes. (laughs) What do you you have going today? Uh, The latest on uh, James Comey's book and the reaction. Um, Oh, yeah. When you hear the president's tweet in Russian, translated to Russian, it's even funnier. Uh, We'll talk about that. Also, uh, Brian has a good take on the the way the National Guard would be deployed and how wily old Jerry Brown is uh, possibly, possibly perpetrating an end around on the president that he doesn't even see coming. We'll also talk about men's makeup. More and more men are wearing makeup. Of course they are. And uh, no, no, of, no. Of course. Not, of no, course. it's not a thing. Yeah. Not a thing. Uh, that Mo Kelly's going to join us to talk about some movies coming out this weekend as well. So. All right. Got a lot going on. That's the Gary and Shannon show. And it is Brian Suits filling in for 
Uh, Shannon, who's coming back on Monday, right? Yeah, we'll see. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if she made her flight. How's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, handle on the morning crew. Tomorrow, handle on the law from 6 to 11. And then we're back on uh, Monday, uh, starting with wake-up call. And then starting at 6 o'clock, I get to go aboard and scream at you. All right. Alex, you're giving me the look. Anything else? No? Okay, we're good. This she just looks at you I know, that she way gives now. me the look as if she's okay, learned. I know. She's learned. Yeah, she's now knows how to be <laughs> Michelle. KFI AM six forty.